We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Do you ever feel like you're always on? What do you do when you need a moment to chill? How do you like to hit the reset button to get ready for what's next? These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nothing but nonstop hustle all the time. Work, family, friends, a million pressing social issues and an expectation to be on 24-7. Sometimes you just need a moment to turn off and hit the reset button. That's when you reach for an ice cold Coors Light, the beer that's made to chill. Listen, there's a lot going on in Green Bay right now, and I feel like we could all use a moment to chill with a Coors Light. See, Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's literally made to chill. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. Perfect for a moment to unwind. Coors Light is what I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in their all-new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado, and as always, celebrate. Twenty minutes a day, three hundred sixty-five days a year. This is the Pack a Day Podcast. Welcome back, everybody, to the Pack-A-Day podcast. It is the day before the Green Bay Packers will take on the Los Angeles Chargers. Paul Brettel is with me this uh, fine day. Paul, how are you? I am fantastic, and the Packers are 7-1. and one. They are, and I promised myself that I was not going to say San Diego one time on this show, so hold me to that, okay? All right, I'll do my best. It's still tricky for me as well. <laughs> All right, so Saturday, day prior... Uh, Packers changed up their schedule a little bit. I think, didn't they get in on Friday? They went in on Friday, right? Yep, they did. Yeah, so, man, all these changes. Head coach Matt LaFleur changing it up, getting the team out there, acclimated to a different time zone. And then on top of that, you've got daylight savings time ending Mm -hmm. on Saturday night. So for those of you out there in the beautiful state of Wisconsin and anywhere else except for where I'm at, which is Arizona, don't forget to set your clocks back on Saturday night. Don't uh, don't don't show up too early for the uh, the game on Sunday. Although I guess if it's if you're going to be one or the other, you'd rather be early than late, right? Well, exactly. I'm always a few hours early anyway, so I'm I think I'll be fine there. Oh, so you're so you're on Lombardi time. If you're on time, you're late. If you're early, you're on time. Exactly. All right. So as we typically do on Saturday, uh, Paul and I are going to talk about the injury update. 
heading into this game between the Packers and Chargers. And it's 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 this is interesting territory for us, Paul, because as fans of this team for a long time, we know that one of the bugaboos that they've had for um, you know many years is injury issues, and that's you know something that I think has uh, it became a narrative that got a little out of hand. The Packers are not the worst you know injured team in the league. You know, there's always teams that have it worse. We just think it's bad because we see it and we're sensitive to it, and we want all those guys to be healthy. But here we are heading into Week Nine. And the Packers virtually, I mean, everyone practiced at one point this week, and they don't have anybody ruled out yet. I mean, they're they're at a pretty healthy point. Now, there's still two games to get through before they get to the bye week, but this is a great spot to be. Oh, 100%. And like you said, you know, we're always kind of sensitive to the injury bug, but it's a combination of some bad luck and, you know, things just happen in the game of football. It's a physical game, but I think some of the credit as well has to be you know, given towards Matt LaFleur and his practice schedule. I can't remember which site I was reading it on, but I think it was last week or so where Bakhtiari said, you know, they're, rough, they're about halfway through the season now, or they are halfway through. And he said this is the best that he's felt at this point in the season in a long time. And I think that's just a credit to uh, Matt LaFleur and just being more conscious of practice reps and um, being aware of how the guys are feeling week to week. And I attended a lot of the training camp practices going back to the summertime. And one thing that I was really impressed with was his efficiency with the practices. And I remember one of the big narratives was the first Packers practice was under two hours and the Bears practiced for an hour longer. So, of course, you know, they're crowned Super Bowl champs at that point. But it's, I think it's just little things like that, um, doing more walkthroughs like Lafleur has where it's more of the mental reps in what the guys are going to be doing rather than the physical. And when you take that out through a whole season, you know, I think that adds up to a lot of time and guys are feeling better and they're healthy. Oh, let's, let's be honest with ourselves here, Paul. The Bears crown their fans crown that team back in April <laughs> after free agency ended. So absolutely, <laughs> we know how that goes. Uh, and let's just take a look at the records real quick and we're done. Okay, so... <laughs> Um, in looking at the, I mean, honestly, on the Packers side of things, it's a short conversation because as of Friday, when the injury report, the last injury report came out, the only two players that were listed as questionable were receiver Devontae Adams, still recovering from his turf toe, and tight end Robert Tanyan with the hip. Everybody else is uh, is going to be good to go. So the Packers are actually going to have to decide who to keep active and inactive this week. It's always a good problem to have but again this you know the health is incredible and when you look at Adams I saw the viral video today about Adams leapfrog and his coach in practice and you know some of that stuff is cool I know he wants to get out there and play but I after again we talked about being a fan for many years in the injury situation in Green Bay but on the flip side I also can't help but trust this team because they take such a a good approach to getting guys back out there and not rushing them. And you don't want to take any team lightly. And the Chargers, although they haven't achieved, they've underachieved this season, you know, their their point differential is zero. They've scored as many points as they've given up. They've they've they have lost a lot of close games, haven't been able to finish. You don't want to not put yourself in the best position to win. And having Devontae Adams obviously is that. But you've got a situation where it's an AFC matchup. You're favored to win. The crowd is going to be predominantly Packers fans, which is odd, you know, to think about. And you've got an NFC matchup next week against the Carolina Panthers before you go into the bye week. So if 
if it's a matter of he could go, but do we want to hold him for another week, Paul, what's your take on the approach with Devontae Adams this week against the Chargers? I think if he's feeling good and, most importantly, he's cleared by the doctors, them saying he's good to go, I think that they should play him. Now I don't think he needs to play a whole game. Maybe he only takes, you know, 40, 50% of the snaps, you know, plays in the first quarter or two, and maybe by halfway through the third quarter or even at halftime if the Packers got a, you know, two or three score lead, they feel comfortable with what they're doing, sit them down. Now on the flip side, if it's not 100%, I, like you said, with how they're getting Jones and Williams in the running game, the other receivers have stepped up. Uh, Graham and Lewis have stepped up as well at the tight end position in the passing game. I don't necessarily think that they need him to win. So if he's not 100% healthy, don't send him out there. Don't risk further injury. But if he's cleared and good to go, I think it's good to get some snaps. It's been a month. Get him back out on the field for some reps and back into football shape and live action. Yeah, that's important. The speed of the game and everything like that, you know, it doesn't matter how good you are or how many years in the league you've got, that that does impact your ability to get back into that rhythm. And like you said, I think there's something to be said there. But it's hard to think that a guy like Adams suits up if he's not going to start, if he's not going to play a full game. But the other thing, too, that I've mentioned before, I think, at times, and this is more of a, an administrative thing, but these guys don't make the same money when they're out injured versus when they're playing. Now, obviously, someone like Adams, who's got a contract extension, has got, you know paid his bonus and he's got his guaranteed money, but it does make a big difference. You know, so not that that he's necessarily playing for money, but there's just another another reason why he might be kind of pushing them to to get himself back out on that field. But I also think the Packers realize, with as successful as they've been this season, that. They've got a lot of special things in front of them right now if things go well. And I know for a fact that this team is bought in and they're thinking long-term and they're thinking team first and do the right thing. So I'm sure I'm sure the Packers will make the right right choice there. But Adams can't go. Um, you know, one of the injuries, if we want to kind of fluidly talk about the injury report for this week, one of the injuries on the Chargers side of things is safety Roderick Teamer. And he's listed, I believe he's listed as doubtful. And this is who is coming in for uh, Derwin James, who is the standout rookie safety for the Chargers. So Teamer's listed as doubtful. If he can't go, then it looks like it would be backup Jalen Watkins in there and, and handling some of these Packers wide receivers. So if you've got a starter in the secondary out, it would seem to bode well when you've got role players having to step up like Jake Kumaro and Alan Lazard, uh, Geronimo getting his snaps, MVS still coming back from from the ankle there. So, you know, that might be another thing where you say to yourself, okay, we've got a favorable favorable matchup here. We can be more careful with Devontae. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, above all else, you got to worry about, like you said, the big picture. You know, the Packers have a lot bigger goals this season than the Chargers in week nine when they're sitting at seven and one. But if he's good to go, it's good to get those reps in. And the loss of Teamer, I think that's going to be significant for the Chargers. They're only giving up uh, 217 passing yards per game, which is, I believe, top eight or so in the NFL yeah. out of everybody. Um, so having him out of there might create, you know, create a hole at, at some point, somewhere, that uh, obviously we expect Rodgers to take advantage of. Yeah, and the Packers are going to see a couple of old, familiar faces in this game. The first one is former Packers cornerback Casey Hayward, 
who has played extremely well since going to the Chargers when the Packers did not bring him back. And he uh, has, has made a couple Pro Bowls and has played well there. Every defense is different. And I know that you know he wasn't as thrilled about not getting a contract in Green Bay. I know Aaron Rodgers spoke about that this week when he was asked, and he was surprised at the time that they didn't extend or ask, uh, ask Casey Hayward to come back. I think they felt like they had some depth. It was kind of a, an odd situation because Hayward and Micah Hyde both leave, and they've both done well elsewhere. So Casey Hayward has got some familiarity with these receivers. Uh, you don't know how much that's going to necessarily play into, into that, um, but he's playing well. And then at linebacker, you've got Thomas Davis, formerly of the Carolina Panthers. And if there's another reason to maybe hold Devontae Adams out, if anybody remembers mm-hmm. the game in late 2017, uh, if I'm not mistaken, where Aaron Rodgers comes back from the collarbone injury finally that he suffered earlier in the year in Minnesota. The Packers are kind of middling. They're kind of still in the playoff race, but it's looking kind of dicey. They had to win that game. And Thomas Davis, uh, on an interception play, ends up taking a shot at Devontae Adams, and um, Tay Adams goes out with a concussion. So, um, I, you know, Two years later, you know, Davis is definitely at the, the end of his career. He's as listed as a, he's a starter for the Chargers, but I can't imagine that he's he's going to be anything great. And if you look at how poorly the Chargers play the run, you know, they give up a lot of run yard, rush yards. Um, you know, that's that's going to be that's going to be a thing this week. I think the Packers might have some opportunities there. Just you know, take advantage of of the old man there. And I had to kind of take a little bit of a shot at him and, and bring that whole situation back up because any kind of chance you can get to, to get some revenge via victory. Um, I'm all for it, even though bygones supposedly are bygones, but thoughts on Casey Hayward facing Casey Hayward and, and his familiarity with Aaron Rodgers and some of those receivers. I think it'll play a little bit of a factor, but, uh, in this game, you know, we were talking about before we started the last time the Packers and chargers, got together as a shootout between Rodgers and Rivers. But as you mentioned, the Chargers rush defense, uh, they're giving up 123 yards per game this season, which is in the bottom third of the NFL. And Aaron Jones and Jamal Williams with Adams out, they've been the workhorses, whether that's running the ball or in the passing game. I'm expecting a lot of those two and establishing the run early on. And then like the Packers have done, they'll take their shots off play action. So I think Hayward, I don't know how much, you know, he's a great player and that's, but I don't, in the sense of his familiarity, I don't know how much of a factor that'll be, especially with the Packers focusing on running the football. Yeah. And I think they, they absolutely are going to have to do that again. You want to kind of keep, keep the chargers offense off the field with the, you know, the, the pass catching back. And then you've got Melvin Gordon and the, the unfamiliarity, the AFC NFC matches are, are always kind of squirrely because of the familiarity factor. It's just you don't really know a lot of, uh, about each other. And um, and so the Packers doing the same thing that they kind of did in Kansas City, just kind of wind the clock down, I think would be a great approach for them to have there. Um, Austin Eckler is the uh, running back. Got a, he's got a lot of catches for the Chargers, so it's almost a game of, of two offenses that run their passing game, seem to run their passing game through they're running back. So this is a week where, you know, we're talking about the injury report. Um, maybe a couple of guys that are not on it that are very important for the Packers are Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams, and I'll throw Danny Vitale in there too because Vitale's made some big catches, and I don't expect the running back's involvement in the passing game 
to be a whole lot different this week. No, I'm expecting the same thing. And I think even when Adams gets back um, and is playing, you know, most of the snaps like he has been, I think having Jones out there and Williams out there in the passing game. And once you add Adams to the, that element, I, I don't know what you do as an opposing defender when you got to worry about those two out of the backfield and then uh, Devontae Adams out wide. Uh, but I also wanted to touch on the Chargers. I heard this stat today. They have gone four straight games without rushing for 40 total yards. So wow. that is going to play, you know, that plays into most defensive coordinators' hands, but we know Mike Patton likes to make defense or offenses one-dimensional. Mm-hmm. So if they can do that and the Chargers, their offensive line just really beat up. I mean, Mike Pouncey's on IR. Um, and so if Patton has, knows that they're one-dimensional, he's going to be able to you know, send the dogs after Phillip Rivers, who at this stage in his career isn't very mobile. Uh, you know, I kind of think back to the Denver game earlier this season. Uh, Denver's a more effective running team, but with Joe Flacco not being able to move around the pocket, I think the Packers are going to be able to get after Rivers, force pressure, get sacks. Uh, they've been opportunistic this season with turnovers, so I would expect a turnover or two as well. Yeah, I mean that would be fantastic. I mean, you mentioned the offensive line, and they've str- they have struggled a lot, and so that's gonna you know that's gonna be something that Petten's gonna have to kind of try to take advantage of overloads. You've got Preston Smith, Sedarius Smith, Rashawn Gary, all those guys. You want to want to see them have a big game. Philip Rivers is not a very mobile quarterback, but he's savvy and he can move around in the pocket and kind of get the ball out. So again, quick pass. And the corners are going to have to play tight coverage. They're not, I'm assuming, going to try that same zone scheme that they did against Kansas City, just because oh, the, that the, was frustrating. Well, the speed for the speed of the Chiefs' receivers I, made made mm-hmm. sense there. The, the The Chargers don't have that at all. I mean, Keenan Allen's a great receiver, but he ain't running past anybody. Right. So if you can if you can play more press coverage, and and I trust Kevin King, Jair Alexander. Tremont Williams to get up there and press these receivers you're going to disrupt the early throw I think you're giving give that rush you know maybe an extra half second to get there this you mentioned turnovers uh the other thing is is how many sacks might they get in this game because in theory offensive line not doing well now teams have adjusted well against the Packers I mean the the Smith brothers as we call them I think um, I, I don't recall them having any sacks in Dallas, um, although maybe they had one. But Tyron Smith was out, the left tackle was out, and, and Dallas adjusted well. They were missing the Raiders were missing their right tackle. They adjusted well. I don't think there were any sacks in that game, and that was more about getting the ball out quick. And so I think teams on tape say, "Hey, the the way to negate this pass rush for the Packers is and the pressure is get the damn ball out." And I think that's what what Rivers is going to try to do. But to your point, if he does that and he throws it a lot, the percentages say there's going to be a couple of those that could land in the Packers' hands. Yeah, absolutely. And that's a good point on your part. The Raiders kind of, they put out the blueprint and they didn't do anything, you know, special or different from what they normally do. The Raiders are just a quick passing offense. They get the ball out of Derek Carr's hands, but it was very effective. And then last week, the Chiefs were missing their starting left tackle, starting left guard. They have Matt Moore and backup quarterback. They just want to get the ball out of his hands quickly. So I think that, like you said, that's a bit of a blueprint that's been put together against the Packers. And I think the biggest uh, concern, at least my concern in this game, is Austin Eckler, uh, pass catch and running back. Like you said, coming out of the backfield, who's gonna who's gonna be on him? And I think he just creates uh, creates a lot of mismatches. 
Yeah, he does. And but I but I think Mike Pettin's aware of it. You know, I mean it's it's one right. of those things where if, if they're gonna lose and they're gonna get in trouble with giving up points, it's gonna be because they didn't get they didn't get him covered and they didn't get him taken care of. So if San Diego's gonna scheme the hell out of this game and and come up that way, then that's or I did it. I did it. I did it. I said San Diego. <laughs> San Diego. There it is. There it I is. Catch <laughs> if the Chargers are gonna scheme scheme up this game and and get their uh, you know their offense rolling and and come up with a good game plan. You just kind of have to tip the hat, mm-hmm. uh, you know, tip the cap. Now it's not an injury, but it's a big change for the Chargers is Shane Steichen, the quarterbacks coach, is now going to be the interim offensive coordinator. He t- takes over for Ken Wisenhunt, who was let go earlier this week. Uh, Anthony Lynn, head coach for the Chargers, said in his press conference there were just some things that he wanted to see done differently and, and a different direction gone with this offense, one of which was their their lack of a commitment to running the ball. So Paul, obviously, even though they don't run the ball well, now is an opportunity for them to fix that and make make some changes. So do we see the Chargers maybe try to force the issue a little bit and get the ground game going? Are we going to see a heavier dose of Melvin Gordon? I think so. I think the pendulum's going to swing a little bit in the opposite direction. You know, it's human nature, or I guess I'll speak for myself. When you hear the offensive coordinator has been fired a week before, you think, oh, okay, good. You know, that's a good thing for the defense. They're not going to be organized. But a new voice coming in, um, new, you know, defensive concept a little bit or offensive concept a little bit, you know, that can change. And they might pull out some stuff that isn't on film or teams haven't seen a lot this year so it is something that the Packers have to be mindful of and while initially it seems like you know wreaking havoc or you know something along those lines within the organization it could be that new voice that kind of refreshes them and gets them going and that gets them back to the things that what they have done well in the past which is running the ball with Eckler and Gordon yeah, so Packers defense is going to have their work cut out for them once again. It just seems like week in and week out they're dealing with something. So I mean, this that's it's and it's good, you know. I mean, this team is going to be ready for when the level of competition ratchets up late in the season and other teams are fighting for playoff spots and they're, you know, they're playing the Packers. You think about in a month of months time, Green Bay is going to be going into San Francisco and taking on a 49ers team that's conceivably not going to have lost a game by uh, up to that point. You're battle tested. The defense is ready for some of those things. And what I what I saw from San Francisco, not to get too far ahead, you know, they're going to have their hands full with mm-hmm. with them too. Because Jimmy Garoppolo's matured. He's throwing the ball to spots, and now he's got a, a new weapon um, in Emmanuel Sanders, who is smart enough to just go get the ball and settle down and and make those grabs. So, you know, I'm all for it. I think you know, I think it's I think it's a good test. And Keenan Allen, even though he's a little banged up. You know, he's he's going to be ready to go and, and looking to, mm-hmm. to do some damage. You mentioned the last time the Packers and, and Chargers met. That was at Lambeau Field in 2015. And rookie Demarius Randall made a huge play at the end of the game to um, to knock a ball away and end the uh, end, a, end a scoring drive and keep the Packers, I think, undefeated at that point. And it always seems to be the, you know, the the shootout type of game where you said Phillip Rivers is probably going to have the ball at the end of the game with a chance mm-hmm. to win. Now, I'll tell you this right now. Um, I trust this defense now. If, if, if it's Phillip Rivers, there's a couple quarterbacks that I'll be like, oh, okay, I don't know. But, any, you know, the majority of them, and if it's Phillip Rivers up against our defense at the end of the game, I think that matchup favors the Packers. That, looked, that, that just seems like one where it ends with a terrible ball thrown for a pick. 
yep. or a ball gets tipped up, or maybe maybe Darnell Savage, you know, re- rebounds and makes a big game-saving pick, and and it's a big catapult from him, and it's something that launches his career from there. Yeah, and the defense this season, it's far improved from what it has been, but there's also been a number of times, and you know, the second quarter against the Chiefs game is a prime example where it just hasn't been pretty but they get the stops when they need to, whether it's holding a team to set to three points instead of seven, a sack, a turnover. You know, Tyler Lancaster shifted the whole momentum of, momentum of that game last week with that strip and the recovery. You know, say what you want. They're not, you know, the 85 Bears by any means, but they get the stops when they have to, and field goals are fine. If teams want to march down the field, get to the 20-yard line, kick a field goal, three points aren't going to beat Aaron Rodgers. No, absolutely not. And the Packers' offense is going to have opportunities in this game, not only because they're playing so well, the run game's working, it's Aaron Rodgers rejuvenated. The offensive line, very stout. You know, one guy who's not on the injury report, but we should probably talk about because we talked a little bit about it before the show, is Brian Belaga, right tackle. So he suffered some dislocation of his finger, and he's going to put together some sort of a makeshift splint and play with it this week. I think he wants to be out there if Aaron Rodgers is out there. I think he and Bakhtiari have the same mentality. If 12's out there, we have to be out there. And I trust the medical staff, obviously, to that if he's if he's taped up and he's able to be out there, that he's not risking a ton of further injury and he's going to be okay because there's a lot of hand working and a lot of, you know, grabbing and their fingers get twisted up in those pads and in jerseys. And it's it's I'm surprised that these types of injuries don't happen more often. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing I want to mention on just Bulaga in general is he catches a lot of flack for the injuries and the time missed, and he has missed some games over his career. I'm not denying that by any means, but it's not his choice. It's not anyone's choice. Kevin King hasn't chosen to be out. These are injuries. It happens in football. But Brian Bulaga, he's a warrior. Like you said beforehand, he dislocated his finger in two different places. You know, and for an offensive lineman, your hands are, you know, they're doing almost everything along with your feet. And last year, he missed two games with a torn MCL. All he missed was two games in a season that was meaningless. He could have sat out if he wanted to. I've always been a fan of Brian Belag and what he does. And this season, he's really, really proving it on the field. I hope they bring him back. But I just want fans out there to know that he fights through all that stuff. And, I mean, for good reason. The Packers need him, and he's a heck of a player. So here's the deal. Okay, and we I think we might have talked about this on a previous episode. After this season the Packers are going to have to assess their needs. And fortunately, this isn't a team that has a billion holes, but they're going to have some needs that they have to fill. Brian Bulaga is a guy who seems like he wants to continue playing. He obviously knows this offense very well, and if he can fight through some of these injuries and play well and be effective, if you bring him back, because I was on team, this is it. Bulaga's not coming back, and maybe he won't. But if you bring him back, you reduce the pressure to have to find your right tackle of the future. Because it's not Billy Turner. I don't think nope. Billy Turner can just slide out to right tackle and be the tackle of the future. That might have been the uh, you know some thoughts when they paid him his money in the offseason, but I don't think that's what we're going to get out of Billy Turner. So then you don't have to necessarily find your right tackle of the future. If you do, great. But you know after the Jason Spriggs fiasco, I don't I don't know if that's necessarily always a given. Now the Packers did find a gold mine in Elton Jenkins at left guard, but. I mean, Balag is a guy that I think looks a lot better in green and yellow than than any other jersey, if you ask me. 100%. To me, tackle is a premier position in this league. They're not going to go out and find a Brian Balaga caliber player in free agency because they just don't get there. 
And then as far as the draft goes, they're tough to find as well. And it's a difficult position. You got to be, you know, able to work in space, taking on a bull rush. You got to go against the speed of a, you know, an edge rusher. Uh, it's just a difficult position to play. And if you draft a rookie, is he going to be ready to go right away? And I think we did have this conversation before because what I'm about to say, I know I've said, I'll take 12 or 13 games of Brian Bulaga over just about anyone else. Yes, you have said that. Yes, absolutely. Trade market. That is a Paul Brettel yes. original right there. <laughs> and I agree with you. I mean, and like I said, you know, they buy themselves a little bit of time. If they bring him back two, three years. You know, he can he can still play. I mean, it's it's his 10th year in the league, but he's only I think he's only 30. Exactly. Right? Exactly. So, I mean, listen, hey, father time shows up suddenly and quickly and i understand yes. that it could be two years from now he might play another seven years i have no idea but i would i would gladly take the chance and try to find out if i'm the packers but you know let them handle that after the season is over with um but going back to the Packers side of things in the offense we were talking about how the offense could roll and and do well one an opportunity that they're going to have is there's two guys that are doubtful that are starters on the defensive line. Now, unfortunately, neither of them are defensive ends, Joey Bosa or Melvin Ingram, um, the third, who mm-hmm. are absolutely uh, phenomenal pass rushers. And those guys are going to be a huge, huge focus. And they're going to be an issue all day for the Packers offensive line and the protection, but defensive tackle, Justin Jones and nose tackle, Brandon Mebane are both doubtful for this game, which means there's not a good chance that either one of those two guys are going to play. So in their place, you've got Jerry Tillery, who I believe was their top pick from last year. And Damian Square would maybe step in then for Mebane at nose tackle. You may have an opportunity in the middle of that defense to to try to run. Now, obviously, the the Chargers are going to have a, a plan for it and try to stuff the middle. Um, you know, maybe you try to get to the outside a little bit. I don't know how how well um, you know either Bosa or Ingram sets the edge, but they're both Pro Bowlers, so I'm not really necessarily sure. I want to try to find out, but. The middle of the defense there, running the ball. We talked about that. What what kind of opportunity might they have there in the middle against the Chargers with these two big guys out? I think it's a great opportunity. And like you, like you said, you don't necessarily want to test Ingram and Bosa on the outside. Uh, but right up the middle, and you know what? Just follow Elton Jenkins. And on Elton Jenkins, he doesn't play a premier position. But if someone's going to be rookie of the year who's not going to get any vote whatsoever, it 100% should be him. I saw a stat today. He's allowed no sacks, and I don't even think he's allowed a quarterback hit since he's taken over at left guard. So go run up his way. Billy Turner, he had a slow start to the season, uh, but the last three, four games he's been very good at right guard. And then, of course, Corey Lindsley. So I like the Packers, even if the you know the, you know the Chargers, like you said, are going to come up with some sort of way to try to – uh, combat that whether it's a linebacker or someone extra up the middle as well but I think that's where you got to attack especially with Bosa and Ingram on the outside yeah and I think Jenkins the nice thing about Jenkins is once you've got the basics down and the fundamentals down then you can start to to kind of do some of the nuances that veteran interior linemen do where you you know you hit your first block then you shed off and you pick up the guy coming through on a blitz um, you know, I think he's he's got the smarts and the intelligence to do that. And then you've only got seasoned veteran Corey Lindsley right next to him who also knows how to do those things. So, you know, this that all equates to Aaron Rodgers having more time to throw or a chance to move around and create plays. And with Matt LaFleur getting guys open in space and, and creating simple and easier throws, um, good luck opposing defenses is is all I have to say. You know, it's it's going to be really tough on them, I, I think. But, yeah, Jenkins has been fantastic. And it, it is unfortunate that the linemen don't get the love because 
Um, you know, that always goes to, seems like it always goes to either a corner or a running back or a receiver or maybe even a quarterback. Uh, but he's he's been fantastic. But hey, I'm cool with him being under the radar and having teams just all of a sudden yeah. like you know send a guy up against him, and it's like you know I've, I I think I'd have a better chance running through a, one of my walls at home. You know right, exactly. <laughs> what an under under the radar draft pick he was. You know in the second round there there was all those receivers on the board, and everyone wanted a receiver, and most still do. But the Packers go with Elton Jenkins, the center from Mississippi State. And, what a draft pick. No, it was. And I was, I mean, we all want a receiver. I think that's, I was on a plane. I was on an airplane getting ready to leave. And the pick came in just as my flight was taking <laughs> off. And I was like, why? I, I was like an offensive lineman. And after the Jason Spriggs thing, I was like, man, they better get this right. Because Spriggs was a disaster. Especially was just, with, oh, I was going to say, especially most of the time, what they've done is they'll take a tackle in like the third, fourth, fifth round and then convert him to an interior lineman if he's not athletic enough or good enough to be a tackle in the NFL. Right. Well, that was Ted. That was Ted. God sure. love him. God love Ted Thompson. <laughs> so a little bit of news this week. Um, not a whole lot to say because I'm, I'm sure we both are ecstatic and, and agree very much with it, but Al Harris and Charles Woodson going to be inducted into the Packers Hall of Fame, which is fantastic news. I don't think there's any argument there. Those two guys definitely deserve to be in it. Um, I don't know what my favorite Charles Woodson memory is. I, I'm not exactly sure. I think I'm thinking God, he had a big pick six. Well, he had several big pick six. Um, right. I, I, you know, for me, there was a big interception he had in 2009 to seal a victory against the Bears at Soldier Field. Um, I remember that one in particular. That was big. I think he also had a really important pick against the Lions in 2010. They might not have won the game if he hadn't gotten that, and that was in Lambeau Field, and they had that long winning streak going on. Um, Al Harris, that one's obvious and easy. This That's him streaking down the sidelines against the Seahawks in the playoffs. Paul, any thoughts? Obviously, Charles Woodson, Al Harris, very deserving, but any memories that stick out to you? Uh, the Harris one is obviously going to be the same. Uh, after Matt Hasselbeck said they wanted the ball because they're going to go score. My favorite Charles Woodson moment actually came off the field after they beat the Bears when he goes, we just need to be in position. Jay will throw us the ball. (laughs) Same old Jay. Yep. (laughs) Same old Jay. Well, congratulations to those two guys. Uh, We'll finish up with the, the, the interesting the interesting situation where the Packers are almost getting a ninth home game here. So it's going to be in the warmth of the LA sun. And it's supposed to be about 70% Packers fans in the stadium here, which is small. You know, your typical NFL venue holds what? 75, 80,000. I think this, this stadium tops out at what? 35. Yeah. 30, 35 smaller, but it's supposed to be very, very heavy Packers fans. When I went to, and I can say at this time, because they were in San Diego at the time when I went to San Diego in 2011, it was a very heavy Packers crowd even then, and the, and the Chargers had to go silent count at the end of that game. It was in, the most incredible thing I'd ever seen, and it was awesome because the Packers ended up winning the game. But I, I, the crowd could become a factor in this in this game. I mean, when the Packers are on defense, uh, I'm interested to see how loud it's gonna it's gonna sound on the TV copy. Yeah, absolutely, and I think that it's gonna be a big factor in this game. I think during that 2011 game, didn't Philip Rivers have to go to a silent count at yeah. home? Yeah, he did. He did. He threw two pick six in the first quarter, and he had a third one to end the game. Uh, Charlie Pepper had two interceptions in that game, so it was it was just a, a level of insanity that uh, is is crazy on many 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 different in many different avenues. But uh, I think we pretty much covered the injury updates. The only thing left to do is play the game and get another win for the Packers. Hopefully, they can come out of this thing 
with their eighth victory of the season. That would ensure that they will not have a losing season already in week nine, which would be phenomenal, I would have to say. Um, it has been a pleasure. And and then next week, uh, so we'll be back in two weeks. Uh, you and I are going to go. It'll be during the bye week. So we'll probably have some midseason updates to talk about and stuff like that. Might be kind of fun. Hand out some midseason awards. We can give Elton Jenkins rookie yes. of the year if we're making the calls. Rookie of the year. There you go. We can give him that call. But uh, it's been a good go-around. Packers Chargers Sunday in Los Angeles. The only thing left to do, Paul, is go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. 
Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.